Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The hit Paramount Plus original docuseries returns. The last time I saw Max, he looked at us laughing, and then everything changed in a blink of an eye. My feeling as a detective is that he was murdered. Yahoo Entertainment calls it a spine-chilling docuseries, showcasing real-life tragedies. What if it was your child who went missing? We need to know the truth. Never seen again. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome to Fantasy Football Today, DFS. My name is Sia Najad. That right there, you're, the, the guy you're looking at on YouTube is Mike McClure. Mike, we are here. We are here to talk about the main slate. Thursday, we got Thursday night football tonight. We're recording right before game time of the Bills-Rams game. Level of one to one million. How excited are you? Uh, roughly one million. Uh, I love, and I, I, I forgot how much I love building showdown slate lineups. I'm doing it. Honestly, right now, as we're recording a little bit as well, it's so much fun. It's so much different than playing daily fantasy baseball and all the things that we do during the summer. Uh, I can't wait, but I want to talk about the main slate, so let's get into it. So that's a nice transition. You guys might be hearing me a little differently than you normally hear me, and that's because I am in a condo in Las Vegas right now. I'm going to be at the Circa tonight to watch the Bills Rams. So for those of you that are new listeners, trust and know that um, this isn't necessarily normally how I'm um, going to sound from other shows. You know that. But um, if, if it is a, a little uh, trebly, you know, bear with us. Uh, Mike sounds smooth. And honestly, you're here to, to listen to me like 40% of the time, but Mike's got at least 60%. Uh, of the uh, of the equity in this show, so uh, listen, we are going to deep dive. We, we are going. We're going to go quick. We're going to go through the entire main slate, uh, and we're going to talk about plays we like, roster construction we like. But I do want to remind everybody that we have our contest. It's back. Our DraftKings contest is back. It's going to be 150 people or 150 entries each week. And of course, the person who wins, we are going to showcase on our Tuesday show when we look back at our previous lineups. You can actually get the link to the contest in this show, in the description to this show, wherever you listen to it. But just as important, we're going to be tweeting it out as well. Mike McClure at Mike5754 is going to tweet it out. Sia Najad at Sia Najad. I'm going to be tweeting it out. So there's a lot of places you can get this, enter it. I'm going to have to wait until Sunday, Mike, to enter this Sunday morning or Saturday night when I get back because I'm in Vegas and they don't do DraftKings. Super interesting and a touch ironic, but there's other implications there. We won't get into them now. Make sure you join our contest, though, as soon as you listen to the show. Mike, I don't want to waste any time. Let's get right into it. And I want to start with the Ravens at the Jets. Uh, this is a game we've talked about, of course, uh, in the past. There's not a lot that I personally love in this game, although I do think Lamar Jackson is viable, and I do think a Lamar Jackson stack is viable. Just for me, it's not my favorite game to stack. I also think Elijah Moore on the other side is very interesting if you see a trailing game script here. But am I going to have pieces of this game? I'm not so sure, Mike. How about you? 
Uh, I will have a piece of this game. Uh, and right now it's Lamar Jackson. Um, you know, when I'm running through my projections and everything here, I one thing I like to do is I won't allow the computer to spit out more than, say, 70% ownership on any given player in terms of my exposure to a player. I just hit and run 100 lineups and kind of get the distribution of players that my projections want me to play. Lamar Jackson is one of the top five quarterbacks that it wants me to play this week. And when I go look at some of the projected ownership, I'm seeing him in single digits. That gets me kind of excited, knowing that my computer likes Lamar Jackson. The market doesn't really love him. It's understandable he doesn't love him. Don't have real obvious stacking options for him. Uh, I still love his rushing upside. I, I think he's an incredibly safe play. Um, unlikely to take down massive tournaments without a really competitive big game from him but I certainly don't think he's going to hurt you in a cash game. Let me ask you this. If you're playing him in a tournament, are you having a run back here? Or are you willing to play, let's say it's a big single entry tournament with maybe a thousand entries. Are you willing to play Lamar Jackson naked without a run back? Uh, yes, without a run back for sure. Uh, I don't think I want to play it with the run back. I think the only scenario that it really gets there and works and is part of an optimal lineup is if it's Lamar Jackson uh, to either Bateman or Andrews. Um, I, I think that the most contrarian thing you could do would probably be Lamar Jackson to Mark Andrews, just knowing that Travis Kelsey's there. He's certainly going to be the preferred option for many players. Uh, and the salary that you're spending here is definitely, it's going to lead you to somewhat similar builds should you be playing Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. Like it's relatively similar on that front, but drastically different, pretty decent leverage spot. Um, and it's not unreasonable to think that Lamar Jackson finds Mark Andrews for two touchdowns. Mark Andrews has, you know, seven catches, 80 yards and lands in the end zone twice. If he does that, they're going to pay off their price tags in most formats. Uh, but as of right now, I'm not stacking Lamar where I'm playing him is just Lamar on his own uh, and building optimal lineups around the rest of it. And again, for those of you that are listening, just know that you can watch us on YouTube. And Frank, in the background producing this show, is actually producing lineups as Mike is talking. So he had a Lamar Jackson stack in there with Rashad Bateman. The benefit of that is you, got to, you get to see how much you have left for your, your remaining players and things of that nature. So that's something that we're going to do, not just this show, but every single Thursday show in particular uh, that we do. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks in the single digits from an ownership standpoint, and, and I have Lamar right now, and this can change, at around 7%, but Jalen Hurts is right around that number as well. So we have single digit, um, you know, mid single digit uh, ownership percentage at around 6% for Jalen Hurts that I'm seeing right now. I'll point out that Amon Ross St. Brown is 5%. Swift is around the 7% uh, mark. Again, these are numbers that absolutely could change, but that's what I'm seeing right now. Those are guys we've talked about in the past. This is an interesting game to me. I think the Eagles interior on both sides of the ball is extremely strong. I think when the Eagles play with the lead, they do they do push the run way more than the pass. I mean, that's every team, but especially the Eagles. And the Lions allowed 27.5 points per game last year, second worst to the Jets, who we just talked about. Uh, very interesting. We also talked about an alternate game script where Detroit plays with the lead, potentially. We talked about that on Tuesday. Mike, where are you at on this game? I like it a lot, and I'm kind of torn on the ownership on Jalen Hurts. Uh, look, I think Jalen Hurts is going to ultimately end up being the highest-owned quarterback on the slate. Personally, uh, just kind of some of the stuff that I'm seeing so far. I like him, though. Uh, the projections absolutely love him. Makes a ton of sense why. Uh, he's got, obviously, immense upside with the wheels, with the legs here. Um, but I like him. I'll play him with Dallas Goddard a little bit. Uh, I think that, you know, playing some of these tight ends that we think have upside in high-scoring games, I think is going to provide some pretty interesting leverage when you're not 
punting at the very bottom end of the salary range and not paying all the way up for Travis Kelsey. Um, I, I think that Goddard's super interesting in the middle. Uh, but as of right now, it's mostly Jalen Hurts. Uh, when I run my projections, he is the quarterback I have the most exposure to. And we see Jalen Hurts here at 6,800. Does that make him, considering the value you have uh, impressed upon him and he's 6,800, is he more of a, of a cash game lock? I understand you're playing him in tournaments as well, but as far as like your number one quarterback for cash games, is it Jalen Hurts? Yeah, it's definitely Jalen Hurts. Uh, I'll, you know, we'll get into the lineups deeper, but yeah, the lineup for me right now is going to start with Jalen Hurts, Travis Kelsey, and Christian McCaffrey. Like Those are the three players that are going to anchor the lineup. It's going to be a little chalky at those three spots. Fortunately, you have a, a lot to change in some of the other spots, but he's one of those core pieces uh, in the cash games. Yeah, and we're certainly going to talk about Christian McCaffrey in, in a little bit. Um, again, Jalen Hurts looking to be in, in single-digit ownership. But again, you, you, you got to, you know, every, every source is a little bit different. And Mike is projecting that number to go up quite a bit as we approach Sunday. Uh, 49ers at Bears. And by the way, I, I should point out that if you listen to the show, you know what's happened to this total. It opened at 46 and it quickly grew to 49. Even if this goes down to 48 and a half, like, People are betting on the over here. Like there's smart money on the over. So it looks to be a, a game that that's going to have some some unexpected pace to it. Uh, with especially with the Detroit having, uh, you know, not the best defense against the run and the pass. 49ers of pairs. Okay, I mean we got a great front seven here. That the line has gone down from 42 to 40, a decrease of two points. It's the lowest total out there. I, I you know, we've talked about the 49ers defense. I continue to love the 49ers defense. Mike, I know you love them too. And part of the reason you love them, especially in these early weeks or really most weeks, you have defenses that are usually being taken off the board that are like 2,500 or 2,600, kind of in that low range in DraftKings pricing. Of course, the 49ers are much more expensive and people just don't want to do that because they want to jam in so many pro prolific, play or prolific players. I like this defense. I like Elijah Mitchell. His ownership looks to be extremely low. Last I checked, it was under 5%. Where are you at on this game? Yeah, I mean, I'm still in the same spot. I like the 49ers defense. Uh, we've seen some troubling reports today uh, related to George Kittle. It sounds like he could be missing this game, uh, which would be an interesting development there for them. Certainly not going to help that over. Uh, for the, you know, We've seen the market move this one down. It's the lowest by far. Um, yeah, it's a defensive battle in terms of the 49ers side. I think it'd be extremely difficult to pinpoint everything on the 49ers side, especially at their price points. Mitchell is fine. Like, I think it's a fine pivot from some of the running backs. I don't love it because, frankly, there's just so many good running back plays in mm -hmm. week one, uh, while a lot of them are healthy. Um, so I'm mostly off the game other than playing the 49ers defense. Yeah, I'm going to be invested in the 49ers defense a decent amount. The only thing I'll say about Elijah Mitchell is he's such an unknown right now that I think what you're seeing with him is that the ownership percentage is reflective of the unknown. But we do have to remember what happened last year. He averaged over 20 touches or just around 20 touches per game. So if he is that bell cow for this game and if he is actually healthy which he appears to be he's not he doesn't show up on the injury report then you might be getting something really exciting especially with the Niners dealing with some short fields against the Chicago Bears uh next game up is is one with a very popular player Mike Jonathan Taylor we've got the Colts at the Texans Colts uh were a nine-point favorite it's down to seven so the Texans getting some of the respect that they probably deserve with Davis Mills at the helm we have a 44 and a half point total certainly nothing impressive there from a total standpoint both teams operate at a relatively slow pace. I know a lot of people are interested in Michael Pittman here. Of course, a lot of people are interested in a very popular Jonathan Taylor. But what are you interested in? 
Uh, I'm interested in one piece. Well, two pieces, really. I'm not playing Jonathan Taylor. I will come out and say that now. I am not going to end up on Jonathan Taylor. I'm going to lean heavily on the Christian McCaffrey versus Jonathan Taylor side. Am I correct on it? I have no idea, to be honest with you. I have no idea. It's a matter of who lands in the end zone twice and who only lands there once, essentially. Uh, But I like Christian McCaffrey. I get to play him when he's healthy. And, you know, he pulled up on the injury report today. I'm still going to go that way. So I'm off Jonathan Taylor. He's someone I'm going to be fading. As far as Michael Pittman, the most interesting thing that I'm seeing so far, I'm showing him as basically the most popular player on the entire slate. Hmm. Makes a lot of sense at 5,500. If that holds true by Sunday, I'm going to cool it off just a little bit there. I'm not going to totally remove him from my player pool, and I'm not going to say don't play him in a cash game because I think it's an incredibly good play. Uh, But as of right now, my favorite play in this game is another Colts player, and it's Paris Campbell. I love Hmm. the value on Paris Campbell at the price point. I like the way that he fits in the system. Frankly, I love the quarterback change for him. Uh, I think it's going to be good things there. And then when you look at some of the betting market, you mentioned the betting market, this thing opened at nine or opened eight and a half, eight hit nine back to seven, pretty strongly back to seven here, not even a seven and a half, uh, pretty strong indicator that we're expecting a relatively competitive game week one in the NFL in division underdogs have won at like a 70 cover the spread at like a 76% clip for a very large period of time here. I think that we see a very competitive or a shockingly competitive division game. And I think that leads to a little more throwing on the Indianapolis side. Give me Paris Campbell and some of these lineups. Oh, that's very interesting. I, I'm, you know, I don't know that I was big on Paris Campbell this week, but I, I'm certainly big on him for the season. I think he's a guy that could really pop for you in DFS specifically. I think for week one, Mike, I think that's a very interesting play, especially. And and I don't want to take I don't want to take words out of your mouth, but is this the type of guy because because you're you're taking a chance here that you're more inclined to play in some of the bigger stuff, like maybe not the single en- the, the single entry stuff that has you know 500 entries deep. Yeah, definitely bigger stuff. Uh, you know, I, I would still play it in, you know, like 20 max type tournaments. I, I think that that's kind of like a cutoff range. I mean, if you have something you like, I'm not going to say don't play it in a single entry or in a three max because there's a decent chance in that you might be one of only two people that have them, um, which can create some really interesting leverage. Um, but it's far from the obvious value play. It's far from the slam dunk value play that we'll have and we'll talk about over the course of the season. Um, this is not something that's created value that's been created by an injury like we will see. So don't treat it like that. It's not a jam plug and play, uh, but it's someone that I like that I've got circled here. One thing I should probably point out, because you did mention that Christian McCaffrey showed up on the injury report. So my understanding is that that was because of a cut he received on his shin from a cleat. So it appears, Mike, and I'm sure your information is similar, that it's just probably like a slightly deep cut, but nothing he can't play with, nothing that's going to actually limit him. Obviously, a soft tissue injury would be way worse than something like this, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. It was more of a... uh... You know, I, you don't ever want to joke about injuries, but it's more of a like, oh, here we go again, Christian yeah. McCaffrey on the injury report kind of thing. But uh, yeah, I fully expect him to be 100% uh, on Sunday. And Mike, let me ask you one other question, because I know people who are listening are going to be super interested in this. Um, the, the projections that I looked at um, some time ago, earlier today, I should say, had Jonathan Taylor as the most popular, the, the most rostered guy. And it had McCaffrey well below him. Um, but 
Uh, again, that could have changed. And I'm curious what your ownership projections are, are indicating as we approach Sunday with those two guys in particular. Yeah, I've got McCaffrey as the top running back, um, but I, I've got some guys that are close. Uh, Saquon Barkley being one of them just because of the price point on Saquon. Uh, mm. Kind of similar story here. Everyone assumes that he's actually finally healthy at this point and has had a long enough period of time to really recover. Uh, so that's why Saquon at 6,100 is going to be right up there. But I've got McCaffrey, Saquon at the top, and then it's right in Jonathan Taylor. And then after Jonathan Taylor, there, there's kind of a mix here that I don't know that I necessarily even agree with some of them, but it, mm. it's going to be Najee Harris, um, which I thought was interesting. I thought he'd be wow. way less owned than being mm -hmm. projected. Joe Mixon's in that range. Uh, Swift, you know, guys that have had pretty significant usage can catch passes out of the backfield. It makes a lot of sense why they're projecting like that. Um, but yeah, I'm fascinated on which side of, you know, where McCaffrey versus Jonathan Taylor ends up on Sunday. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad you brought up McCaffrey because the next game I do want to discuss, and we probably won't be discussing it for too long. It's the Browns at the Panthers. It's a one and a half point spread. It's a 42 point total. Again, that's one of the lower ones uh, on the slate. McCaffrey seems to be the guy to pluck away from this game and only McCaffrey. But Mike, are there other plays that you might be interested in, perhaps in the 20 max type tournaments or maybe some of the bigger like Millie Maker type stuff? Um, I mean, it's mostly, mostly Christian McCaffrey. Uh, you know, if, if I had to get somewhere else, I'm trying to think if I could maybe David Njoku at tight end, maybe if you want to get cute, uh, I think he's got some upside, uh, especially in the red zone here for that team. But I, I really, I don't see myself getting anywhere, but Christian McCaffrey and I see Christian McCaffrey being my highest owned player, um, there, you know, you guys know that have followed me for a long time. I keep an incredibly narrow player pool. And when I'm right, I'm really right. And those weeks really pay off for me. And when I miss, I miss a little bit. Uh, Christian McCaffrey might be in 100% of my lineups. Hmm. Maybe, maybe the number might be 80%, but it's certainly going to be double, triple, likely at least triple the field in terms of my exposure relative to the fields. Right. And that's that's the whole point of having a narrow player field. You're overweight on the guys you really like. And therefore, when that player smashes, Mike McClure smashes people who have that narrow player pool smash. So uh, understandable. They are eighty five hundred, probably a deal for Christian McCaffrey. And like Mike said on Tuesday, the time he wants to play Christian McCaffrey is when he knows Christian McCaffrey is healthy. And other than a cut on his shin, which is not going to be a big deal on Sunday, he is healthy. So Let's go to the next game. Steelers at Bengals. It's a 44-point total, six-and-a-half-point spread. The Bengals are favored here at home. Another division game, another division dog. This is the game we talked about last week. We talked about it on Tuesday in terms of potentially having one of the higher ranges of outcomes, or right? just more variable ranges of outcomes. Uh, both these teams operate at a relatively slow pace. We don't know exactly what to expect with a Mitch Trubisky-led Steelers offense. But we do think, Mike, that Najee Harris is going to get at least similar volume than what we saw last year. Not the same, but at least in the ballpark, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, and like I mentioned a few minutes ago, I am torn on this because I really thought Najee Harris was going to be coming in a little under the radar. Definitely not the case. Uh, you know, consulting multiple sources here on projected ownership, we've got Najee Harris as one of the more popular players on this slate. Um, I get it at 6,400. We, you know, he's got immense upside in the passing game. It tells me that, you know, from the sources that we're seeing that they, people lean towards this game, potentially turning into a shootout more than 
the game script of physical division game that that's a little lower scoring. But I, I like Najee Harris a lot. Joe Mixon, I, I on the other side of the ball, I, I think is interesting. But seeing his projected ownership up there near the top, I, I know that there are guys that I like more than Joe Mixon. Um, yeah, this game's fascinating to me. I'm just I, I'm really torn because I thought that we were going to be a little sneaky with Najee, but it doesn't look like that's the case here. If you wanted to play the scenario where this game actually does shoot out and, and you wanted to actually stack this game, I'm curious, Mike, I would, you know, I would probably take the discount on T Higgins and, and play him with, with a Joe Burrow. If I wanted to do a game stack here in that situation, I'm assuming you'd still be okay bringing it back with Najee Harris, but, but tell me where you'd go if you were game stacking this. Yeah. If I'm game stacking it, I'm going to go with Najee Harris. Um, look, just because you, it's when you build game stacks, you typically have one game flow in mind, sometimes two, if you're really thinking about it. With Najee Harris uh, and this kind of a, a play, I think it works both ways, right? So if Najee Harris and the Steelers are finding success, it's clearly going to lead to more passing volume for Joe Burrow. It likely means that they're struggling getting the ball to Jamar Chase. So you've got T. Higgins there, potentially a few extra targets. And then the other side of that, if Burrow comes out fire and has a big day, great day to Higgins, it's likely that the Steelers aren't throwing the football down the field with much success. We should see a lot of checkdowns to Najee Harris. So I like this build personally. Um, you know, you could play some of the other receivers, Claypool, if you want to. Uh, but I would feel the most comfortable with Najee Harris, regardless of who you have on the other side. Okay. And again, that was a 44 point total, but that is some, that's a total that we talked about where it could come way under that 44 or it could come way over that 44. And um, something to think about when you're, when you're thinking about game scripts going into Sunday, the main slate, don't be married to the line and the total that you see that on DraftKings Sportsbook or on Caesar Sportsbook or whatever sportsbook you're looking at. You do want to project, particularly in week one, alternate game scripts. And if you're right on that alternate game script, that's really good because your roster construction is going to be different than everybody else because they are so married to, oh, well, it's the Bengals minus six and a half. Let me construct a game script around that. And we talked about that specifically with the Eagles-Detroit Lions game. Listen, I think the Eagles are going to cover the four-point spread, but I'm not always right. And it very well could be that Detroit just comes out and, and smashes at least early in the game, build a lead, and then we, we see a different game script than what everybody is projecting. So for all of these games, especially the ones that you think are going to be high scoring, don't be married to the line. Be uh, a little thoughtful as to what the other range of outcomes are um, that maybe Vegas is not considering here. Um, let's go to the Saints and Falcons. This is a 42-point total, another low one. Listen, the afternoon games, that's where a lot of the fireworks are, and we're about to get there. But we do want to discuss every single game. Saints at Falcons, Saints minus 5.5, 42-point total. Both these teams likely operating at a slow pace. I think there's... Pieces on both sides that you could play. I just don't know that this is the game to play it. Obviously, Alvin Kamara appears to be, you know, playing week one with a with a full slate of, of touches. On the other side, Pitts is interesting. Drake London perhaps is interesting, although, you know, things are kind of um, muted for him right now because he did have a, a preseason kind of lingering injury. I, I'm just I'm I don't want to quote cross off a game, but I don't really see any reason to jam in a Kyle Pitts into my lineup, especially with all the other tight end value we see both at the top with Travis Kelsey and at the bottom with some other value plays. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I don't love it. Um, yeah. I, I want to get to a play in this game potentially, but I, I really, I don't know that I could justify it to be honest with you. I don't even know if I want to say it out loud because it, it's kind of, uh, sounds kind of funny. It sounds kind of weird, right? 
But um, you have to say you, it now, Mike. I envision the scenario where Marcus Mariota has 70 rushing yards in this game. Okay, I'm and glad you said throw, that. Yeah, I, I, I like where you're going. Touchdown or mm-hmm. land in the end zone at 5,200, and maybe you, you like Pitts, maybe you don't. I don't even necessarily care about trying to stack it up. Uh, but I think there's a possibility that Marcus Mariota can have a pretty good day with his legs still. I personally believe that he's still got that left in the tank. Is this the perfect matchup for it? I don't know but I know it's the perfect week to take a shot on it because nobody has really any interest in doing it. And once he does it once, he's never going to be $5,200 again. So here's what I'm hoping. And I, I love where you're going with this. I think Marcus Mariota is really um, underappreciated and, and quite frankly underrated, especially from a, I'm not even talking from a real life football standpoint, but specifically from a fantasy football standpoint, he absolutely, I mean, he has a lot of moxie out there for one, but he absolutely can do stuff with his legs and with his arm I, I, here's how I see it. I see him against the Saints defense ha- having a, you know, a problematic time, maybe a, a slightly conservative game plan against an opportunistic defense. My hope here, Mike, is that he just doesn't have that great of a game. And then next week and the next week after that, he is similar priced. And then we can really like smash him. Like, I don't really love the matchup here. I think you're right that this would be a, something to potentially play in a huge tournament, like a silver bullet type of, of construction. I'm probably not going to get there, but I love where your mind is at. And honestly, we like to think of this stuff and sort of project forward. Okay. Well, if he has an average game, let's talk about Mariota, for example, or Saquon Barkley, maybe he has an average game against Tennessee and, and his price stays low for week two. There's a lot of this stuff where you're almost hoping that the press is bad for these guys, that the, the DFS yep. community just doesn't like what they see week one. We're all prisoners of the moment, or at least most people are, and then they don't want to play them week two or week three. Marcus Mariota is one of those guys I have interest in in that regard. Yep, I could not agree more. I'm glad I didn't sound too crazy for bringing it up <laughs> because it's a thought that is ringing in my mind. I can just see him sprinting down the field on a 50-yard rush that potentially lands in the end zone. Yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt that at all. Okay, we have a few more 1 o'clock games, and then we're going to get into the very, very interesting and high-scoring, prolific afternoon games that we all, I know, want to talk about. But first, we're going to hear a message from our partners. Grab your VIP pass. We're delving into the secretive world of Formula One. Formula One. Behind the scenes with two of the sport's biggest names, Mercedes and Williams. This is not coal mining, this is Formula One motor racing. As they build their new cars. We want to be so much further ahead. We are in permanent racing mode. And face shocking headlines. Here's Lewis Hamilton moving away from Mercedes. I'm Joseph Fiennes and this is F1, back at base. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Fantasy Baseball draft season is upon us, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, six times per week throughout March. Sleepers, breakouts, busts, live mock drafts, spring training updates, and everything in between every Monday through Saturday. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. And we are back. My name is Sian Ajad. That is Mike McClure. This is Fantasy Football Today DFS. We are covering the full slate. We're going quickly. We're trying to get all our plays in here. And then, of course, at the end of the show, we're going to talk about our favorite stacks, our favorite value chalk and value plays, um, or excuse me, value chalk and contrarian plays that, that we're going to have on our cheat sheet, which we do every single week. And by the way, if you're just catching the podcast right now and you missed the very front end, 
please make sure you register for our DraftKings contest. It's only $5. The winner is going to be featured on Tuesday, or at least that lineup is going to be featured. We're going to talk about that lineup, and we're going to talk about our own lineups, the mistake we made, and, and the good calls that we made on the Tuesday show while we're taking a first look at DFS pricing for week two. So that's our Tuesday show. And then, of course, Thursday, we do this. Jags at Commanders. Commanders minus two and a half. It's a 44-point total. You know, I think this one is interesting. So the Jags are getting some respect here. And what that means, Mike, is they clearly listened to our show Tuesday and last week where we said, hey, this game, you know, this has some potential here for the Jags to maybe put up some points against a Washington defense that is still regarded as something that they might not be. Listen, I'm a Commanders fan, but this defense has some holes in it. Not only is Chase Young not on this defensive line or de- defensive line as a defensive end, but listen, they'll get a pass rush, but the, the secondary is not that great. And if Trevor Lawrence is even an average quarterback in this game, this 44 points could get blown out of the water. Now it's the same thing with the Steelers and Bengals game. Of course it could stay under. Yes. But this is one of those games that if I'm going to take a chance on it, man, I get a, I get a Trevor Lawrence for what? 5,600. I get a Christian Kirk for a low price. And then I bring it back with either a McKissick or Antonio Gibson. Now I have built a stack that really nobody is playing and I've saved some dollars along the way. Are you with me or am I, am I crazy, Mike? Oh, I'm with you a little bit. Uh, yeah, look, I don't think th- I don't think there's anyone's really going to go that direction. I think Christian Kirk is someone people might play as like a one-off from this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that if you're going to play him, based on some of the projections I'm seeing, I only really want to play him if I'm playing Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Uh, and if I do that, I can get to the other side. I like Jahan Dotson a lot as a value play uh, from Washington. So I, I mm-hmm. think that... That is a super interesting way to start a lineup. And if you want to play those three players, then you can go eat the chalk. Play Travis Kelsey if you want to. Go play Christian McCaffrey or Jonathan Taylor, whichever one of those guys you really like. Uh, And and you start to have a pretty interesting lineup, especially if you end up being right on Trevor Lawrence hitting Christian Kirk here. Um, Yeah, I don't hate it. I'm not eager to go do it in a lot of my lineups. But again, I'm playing relatively narrow player pool. Um, so the guy that I'm most likely to have out of this game is still Jahan Dotson, and it's because he's $3,400. And I do kind of lean towards them having a game script where they gotta they gotta throw in some of those situations. So uh, I, I like Dotson here. Yeah, and again, if you're watching on YouTube, you just saw Frank basically build a lineup of the players we just saw, but also include in there some of the guys we've already talked about, like Christian McCaffrey, like Travis Kelsey, and we see how much salary we have left. That's 5,200 that we have left if you're watching here on YouTube, and we haven't even added our defense in there. So you could take that Niners defense if you want, but you know most people will take a discount defense and hope hope they get you know some good value out of that. So Niners defense, you know, it leaves us 5,500 left, but if we take let's say Washington, well, no, Washington's probably a bad example. Let's say the Dolphins for example, at 2,600, um, you're going to have plenty of, uh, and we're building it right now, we're going to have 6,000 left to build among three other positions. So you put a value guy in there and then all of a sudden now you have two more superstars to add to your lineup. So that's the type of flexibility you're getting with uh, like a, a Trevor Lawrence stack. I think Antonio Gibson is in play here. I think Travis Etienne is in play. It depends on how you want to build it. I wouldn't do Etienne with Trevor Lawrence, of course, so that would be more of a skinny stack, Etienne with maybe Gibson or a receiver on the other side. But I do think Gibson, listen, I I think there's a scenario where Washington moves the ball and Jacksonville moves the ball quite well and that Washington moves it via Gibson and he gets in the end zone. And that Jacksonville, listen, both of these teams were literally the two worst teams getting off the field on third down. So 
that does promote potentially like long time consuming drives, but it also promotes sort of efficiency from a DraftKings scoring standpoint. These teams, I think, are going to move the ball easier than people think. So I think a lot of these guys are in play in this Jags commanders game. Let's go to the Patriots Dolphins. We just mentioned their defense. That line is moving. The Dolphins are really getting some respect here. And, and Mike, I, I kind of want to get your opinion whether that line movement is deserved, in your opinion. So it, it was two and a half, I believe, as of a few days ago. It's now Dolphins minus three and a half. And this total has gone up two full points, which is a lot. It's, uh, it's up to 46 and a half. Now you're starting to get into a territory where, wow, this might have some DraftKings and FanDuel and, you know, just general DFS relevance as well. Where are you at on this game? Yeah, so I first of all, I'll say I don't really want to play this game in DFS. Um, I agree with the market movement on it as a whole. Uh, I think the market's showing you a pretty clear position, and that position would be a lot of buying on Miami, uh, which has impacted the total as well. It's a lot of upside for Miami. Look, this, this Patriots team is never – no, I shouldn't say never. They haven't had a ton of success with this Miami team, the su- success that they should have relative to their overall success. Uh, one thing that was interesting about it is they actually traveled. They're already there, right? Uh, mm-hmm. the, and the reason why is because they have to try to adjust to the heat. It is still incredibly hot in Miami. Uh, you would know you're right there in that area. Uh, that's always a factor uh, in in this game, especially early in the season like this. So I can't get to any of the DFS plays. Of course, you can take flyers on them individually, um, but th- there's nothing really stackable in my opinion. Um, I also think that the Miami defense could potentially score in this game, so it's mm-hmm. kind of interesting as, as a DST play. Uh, but as far as playing DFS, I think that they could be left with some relatively short fields, which could certainly take away opportunities to rack up fantasy points for the skill position players. Um, But the Dolphins defense and special teams, I think is very, very interesting. Yeah, I think the Dolphins are going to get jammed in uh, quite a bit, sort of in that 2,400, 2,500, 2,600 range as a discount defense, which is going to, going to allow you to do a lot more things. I think Ramondre Stevenson is interesting, especially if he assumes the third down role. If you envision a scenario where he gets a lot of targets and he gets, I don't know, 40% of the rushing attempts, I think he's interesting at his price at 5,500, knowing that this total has climbed a little bit. Uh, but I don't know that I'm going to get there this week. This is a situation where I hope he has an average game and maybe I try to play him in a better matchup week two or week three. So happy to move on there. Another discount quarterback potentially in this Giants at Titans came in. It's not Ryan Tannehill. Of course, it's Daniel Jones and whoever you want to pair him with. And a lot of people I think are thinking, well, Wandell Robinson's only 3,000. Now, you you just see, you just said Trevor Lawrence and Christian Kirk. What a stack that would be from a value standpoint. Well, it's even more valuable, at least from a price standpoint, with Daniel Jones and, of course, uh, Wandale Robinson or somebody of that ilk on the Giants roster. I'm not going to get there with this game. I'll just be totally honest. This is not a stack I'm really interested in. I do think it's a plus – I don't want to say plus matchup, but it's certainly positive that – one of the, we talked about this. One of the elite edge rushers for the Tennessee Titans is out for the year, so maybe that gives Daniel Jones an extra second on occasion to to make some passes to some of his receiver core. But forty three and a half point total, Titans favored by five and a half. Not super interested. But then there's Derrick Henry. Mike, where are you going in this game? Yeah, look, I Saquon Barkley will be in my player pool. The issue is is the ownership that we're seeing on this. Uh, it's obvious. It makes sense. He's a fine play. He's a fantastic play if he's the Saquon that we all want Saquon to be. Uh, I don't think there's any really debating that. He's, he's, he's underpriced for the talent that he has shown that he has in his career. 
I'll have him in my player pool. It's not going to be a lock button situation, uh, despite what an optimizer might tell you in terms of the points per dollar projection. Um, Daniel Jones, you mentioned him. Kind of interesting. Not the rushing upside of Marcus Mariota. Probably still has some passing upside. Um, but he's had a number of games where he's racking up 20, 30, even up as, as many as 90 rushing yards. Um, if you can get him 30 to 40 rushing yards here, if he looks to run a little bit at 5K, uh, it significantly raises the floor. Uh, and then if he's you know dumping off to Saquon Barkley all day, Barkley ends up with a big day. It's kind of interesting, but it feels more forced than anything. So my official stance on the game will be Saquon Barkley – uh, and one day will be in my player pool. But other than that, I'm pretty much off the game. I have no interest on the Titans side. I do want to point out uh, for people who are listening, because, you know, when I was thinking, Mike, okay, Saquon Barkley's in his player pool, I, I almost wanted you to rate like or, or rank certain running backs that I like sort of in that range. Like it's more expensive, like a James Conner, Aaron Jones. We know you like Christian McCaffrey. The reason I'm, I'm not really trying to ask you the question, Mike, but I do want to impress upon the listeners that, um, we're going to be live at times, uh, probably more often than not, as this show moves forward. And that's going to allow some questions to be asked in the middle of the show to myself or to Mike McClure. So I want to make sure everybody makes a note of that as you are uh, contemplating who to play and how to play them. Um, let's go. Let, go me, ahead, let me rank them quickly just because yeah. we're talking about it. I'll rank my top five running backs this week. McCaffrey is a very clear number one. Number two for mm-hmm. me, Aaron Jones. Mm-hmm. Number three, Najee Harris. Number four, Austin Eckler. And number five, Saquon Barkley. I love it. Uh, three of those guys are definitely in my top five. Uh, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I'm trying to re- uh, Aaron Jones, definitely. Um, I think I'm going to sneak James Conner in there. I just think he's going to get a ton ton of work in that game. Uh, even in a negative game strip, I think James Conner is very, very viable. So um, th- those are most of the running backs you mentioned I, I like quite a bit as well. Speaking of things I like quite a bit, Raiders Chargers, 52 and a half point total. That's sneaking up right on the heels of that Kansas City, Arizona total, by the way. The Chargers are favored now by three and a half. Um, listen, the Chargers are the third highest pass percentage in the league last year at 61.4%. Raiders had the seventh highest pass percentage at 60.3%. Both are in the top half of the league in plays per game. And both, I think this is the key part for me, even though these teams made improvements, both teams were in the top seven in points allowed per game. Chargers at 27 and the Raiders at 25.8. This seems like fireworks are going to happen in spite of the fact that the Chargers do have improvements on the defensive side of the ball and the Raiders have a porous offensive line. As everybody knows, I talked about it Tuesday and I talked about it last week. This is likely my favorite game. Mike, how about you? I love the game. Uh, I still like the Chiefs side uh, a lot, so I'll be playing that a lot as Chief thinks I'm calling him up onto the show if you're watching on YouTube. That um, was amazing. <laughs> you yeah. have to watch this. So that was actually, I couldn't even believe the timing of that. Okay, carry on. Sorry. Yep. It, it is almost like he knows his name. Almost. <laughs> um, I like this game. I really do. Uh, I like both sides. I think both quarterbacks are playable. I think The issue with it is you don't gain a ton of leverage by swapping out quarterbacks because they all kind of score in bunches. Uh, The the score, the distribution of scoring is relatively bunched at quarterback. Uh, But I do like Derek Carr. I do like Justin Herbert. I I like them both a lot. Where I struggle is with some of the handcuffs. Um, So I think people are going to want to play Justin Herbert. I'm going to 
fade Justin Herbert. I'm going to use Derek Carr uh, as far as quarterbacking from this game. Uh, and then I'm going to run it back with Austin Eckler. He's someone who has a ton of upside pretty much in any game script that they could find themselves in. So that's how I'm going to elect to get my Chargers exposure first. Uh, and then on the other side, I, I do like Derek Carr, though. Let me ask you this. If you could rank the top three pass catchers for the Raiders in terms of who you might stack Derek Carr with, obviously I'm referring to Darren Waller, Devontae Adams, and Hunter Renfro, not necessarily in that order, of course. Um, how are your stacks going to go in that regard? <sighs> um I mean, I think it's going to be Adams pretty clearly first for me. Um, you know, we've mentioned this phrase a couple of times, or maybe I've, I've done so many shows, maybe it was another show, but um, teams featuring wide receiver. Oh, it was pre, pre-show. We were talking about Allen Robinson potentially being featured a little bit mm -hmm. uh, for the Rams tonight. I definitely think that that's what we see from Derek Carr and Devontae. I, I, we, we know the relationship these two have. We know that there's going to be a lot of eyes on this game. Uh, I, I think it's very reasonable to expect to see targets forced that way, whether they should or should not be. Um, so that's where I'm going to go with it. I personally am off of Renfro. I get the desire to play him at his price point. He's like 5,800 bucks. It's a middling price point to the point where the value is very obviously not necessarily there. Um, I, I'm just down on him because I, I don't believe that it's possible for the red share, the red zone targets to be there. Um, so give me Devontae Adams. I don't know if I'm going to stack car with anyone but Adams. It, it might be one of those situations where we pretend it's Aaron Rodgers throwing him the football still. And that's <laughs> just the stack you play. Right. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, a, a, another thing about this game that I think is interesting is that the chargers are susceptible to the run, or at least they have been. And listen, I, I understand why people don't want to play Josh Jacobs in a game like this that projects to be a shootout and a passing fest. But Mike, if I'm playing, let's say five lineups and I just want to go all in on this game. So four of them, or maybe three of them are going to be a, a chargers game stack. And then I'll do one with the chiefs and one with another game that, that we've talked about. I think one of those three stacks includes a game script where Josh Jacobs actually goes off against this Chargers defense. And then you can still listen, you, you can you can do a double you, Josh Jacobs and you pair him with maybe a Renfro or a Waller or an Adams. And then on the other side, you have Justin Herbert crushing it with, uh, I don't know, Mike Williams at 6,600. I, I think just from a game script standpoint, I think there is a scenario where the, even with a porous offensive line where Josh Jacobs gets going. And if he does, he's at such a low ownership percentage. You're passing everybody in this game because they're not playing Josh Jacobs. Now, I know I've, ta I've talked about before Amir Abdul at 4,200 potentially being a play. And I, I think he is depending on the game script. But I do think there's a game script where Josh Jacobs falls in the end zone two times. Yeah, I think that... You know, you if you ask me to find a running back that does have two touchdown upside, that's for sure going to be less than 5% owned. He would be pretty much at the top of the list. I'm trying to look at, you know, maybe Dalvin Cook because maybe no one's going to play Dalvin Cook, but they're not really comparable because of the price points. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if we make that criteria, say less than $6,500, guy that could score two touchdowns, also under 5% owned. There are literally two names that fit that bill. It's Nick Chubb and Josh Jacobs. So Josh Jacobs is in a much better game than Nick Chubb is overall. I completely agree with you. Yeah, fair enough. And professional transition from Mike McClure because he is a professional because he brings up Dalvin Cook. And our next game, of course, involves Dalvin Cook. Packers at the Vikings. It's a 47-point total. 
The Vikings are one and a half point dogs to the Packers. Uh, the total has trended down um, 48 to 47 for whatever that's worth. Uh, you know, I don't know that we know the status, Mike, right now of Alan Lazard, um, but we and or really a lot. Like I think Bakhtiari is playing. There are some questions on the offensive side of the ball for the Green Bay Packers. But one thing neither of us have questioned is both the target share and rushing share that Aaron Jones is going to enjoy. So I'm really curious, Mike, your opinion, and then I'll share mine, how you're playing Aaron Jones. And what I mean by that is, is it skinny stacks? Are you just pulling the Aaron Jones piece out of this game? How are you stacking this game if you are at all? So as of right now, I'm pulling the Aaron Jones piece out of the game first. Uh, I I think Aaron Jones is going to be in my optimal lineup on DraftKings here. Uh, I think he's going to be in my main, my primary lineup that I play in my head-to-head matchups. Uh, I I like him a lot. I I think the upside is clearly there. Another one of those players that really, really, really fits the bill in terms of any game script kind of works for him. Um, He's going to have all the opportunity in the world here. So I love Aaron Jones. Um, I don't think that there's a reason to play Aaron Rodgers in this game. If you are someone who likes Aaron Rodgers and thinks he can have a big game and thinks that the the touchdowns come through the air, I love pairing Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones together. Um, I, I think it can work. I think it's different enough. So I don't mind doing it. I think it's not necessary. So as far as Aaron Jones, he's a core piece of my lineups this week. Based on ownership percentages, it does appear that Jefferson is going to be a lot more popular than a, a Dalvin Cook. Is that correct? And, and and if so, do we need to maybe change our assessment of this game? And maybe we just do a skinny stack with Aaron Jones and Dalvin Cook on the on the other side. Or even if you're not doing a stack, is Dalvin Cook a more viable pay, play than Justin Jefferson just because of the ownership that we're seeing? Yeah, I think that he could be, um, especially because we have pass catchers in some of the other games, like the one we just mentioned with Las Vegas and the Chargers and, of course, the Kansas City Chiefs game. So what I'm showing on Dalvin Cook, uh, I think Cook is one of the best tournament plays on the slate, frankly. Um, We know that he has multi-touchdown upside. We know that he can catch passes passes out of the backfield if if given the opportunity. Another one of those guys that you kind of want to play him when he's healthy, right? The issue with him is the price point and the depth of the position. So I don't think anyone's going to play him. You mentioned a very interesting idea, and that was playing Dalvin Cook and Aaron Jones together. Uh, That breaks a lot of rules in terms of correlations with players. Typically, running backs on opposing teams are pretty strongly negatively correlated. Um, I don't know that it's the case in this matchup because of how much we love Aaron Jones uh, and the passing game. I think where it becomes an issue is the scenario that the Packers come into Minnesota and, and win this game by two to three scores. I think that, that then it becomes a problem for Dalvin Cook, but I am not in the camp that believes that. I actually think that uh, Minnesota's the sharper side in this game. I've got them in a teaser already up to eight and a half points. Um So no one's going to do this. What we're showing on the screen, if you're watching on YouTube, nobody is going to play that. Um, And I think you could do worse. Normally, I would caution against that. It's a pretty strong no. But this case, I I don't think it is. All right. Well, if you chose to do that... um... We saw, if you're watching on YouTube, how much money you have left when, when you build a lineup in that regard. We have one more game to go over, and then uh, Mike and I are going to talk about our favorite stack, our favorite chalk play, value play, contrarian play, and our fade of the week. So let's cover your Kansas City Chiefs, Mike McClure, and the Arizona Cardinals. This 
uh, total is 54. The line has crept up from Kansas City minus three to Kansas City minus six. Uh, we listen. I don't need to recap what we've already recapped about the Chiefs in terms of their uh, just their general prolificness. That's that can't be a word. Um, fifth highest pass rate last year. Uh, they they obviously have a new crop of receivers, but I don't know that that's going to hold Patrick Mahomes back. I have my questions about Patrick Mahomes with this receiver core, but I don't know that those questions exist against the Arizona Cardinals defense. So, Mike, let me talk to you about your Chiefs here. This sounds like to me it's your favorite game to stack. Where are you at with the stack? Where are you at with the bring back? And how many pieces are you going to have involved with the stack? Yeah, so I want to hit the biggest piece of news first um, because the biggest bring back I had was Rondale Moore. Uh, and Rondale Moore popped up on the injury report about an hour ago. Uh, mm. we, we saw some tweets come out about it. I'm going to see if I can list it. Uh, Cardinals wide receiver Rondale Moore injured his hamstring today during practice. He's going to have further examination, including an MRI, wow. to determine the severity. So he's not playing. What? Right. What we know about Rondell Moore is he, he's a speedster, right? He likes to run. It sounds kind of silly to say that most wide receivers like to run and can run, but that's definitely the case here with Rondell Moore. Not the kind of player that I want to be messing with if I know that his hamstring is potentially not 100%. Even if he plays, I think I have to be off of him because one hard route and he could be done. He, he could absolutely be done. Because uh, he sh- certainly doesn't want to ruin an entire season uh, trying to play week one on a bad hamstring. So we got to digest that first. But as far as what I really like in the game, Travis Kelsey is the core piece, number one. Uh, I hope that people look at DraftKings and see the opponent rank versus position and show the number one against tight end for Arizona, and it somehow suppresses his ownership. Uh, he, he's he's too cheap, right? Uh, many weeks. We saw Travis Kelsey be an $8,000 player, right? Just like Christian McCaffrey's too cheap this week. Christian McCaffrey, when healthy, is a $10,000 player in midseason form in DraftKings. Not the case here. Travis Kelsey is an auto plug-and-play for me personally. So that's where it starts. Um, Now, as far as stacking, it gets interesting because, yes, I want to have the Mahomes to Kelsey and Juju or the third pass catcher in my cash games optimal lineups. I'm likely to take the discount on Jalen Hurts uh, and still – have two Kansas City Chiefs pass catchers mm-hmm. in there. Um, so you don't have to force that stack with Mahomes. I'm going to tell you it's my favorite stack because I think the Chiefs offense absolutely rolls in this spot personally. Um, but it's really the top two options for me are Travis Kelsey and Juju. What a tough spot for the Arizona Cardinals. First of all, they have to play the yeah. Chiefs, but you don't have DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, there's a, the, You don't have Rondale Moore, it looks like. Listen, if you're getting an MRI to assess the severity, uh, to me, the gravity of the 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 issue with the hamstring is a little bit more severe than normal. And therefore I just, I, I'm not calling it, but I don't think he's playing in this game. So you're out Rondale Moore. Antoine Wesley was one of your backups. Who's on IR. You have 34 year old AJ green, uh, newly acquired Marquise Brown, and really just a bunch of guys. I mean, the next guy on the chart is probably Andy Isabella. So let's see what we hear about him in terms of whether he's going to play that role. And we want to play him at a, at a flat, what is this? Three K. I mean, I, I think these are considerations because they're just out of options. I, I like Connor in this game and I like pairing him potentially with Marquise Brown in, in, in a 
in a stack with the Kansas City Chiefs, Mahomes, Kelsey, and maybe a cheap receiver like MVS, for example, as opposed to Juju or Juju if you can afford him. I, I think you can stack this game a number of ways, but you have if you're going to, I don't know that I want to stack it on the Kyler Murray side because I don't know who to pair him with. Um, I think if you did Kyler Murray, you, you'd almost have to pair him with Marquise Brown, though. So uh, a lot of interesting. Any any flyers in this game, Mike? Yeah. Definitely. And, you know, some of it might be from my interest in playing daily fantasy college football, Hmm. but uh, Greg Dortch, Greg Dortch is someone who I think could be the guy that steps up here with Rondale out. Um, You know, you're not going to see anything flashy when you look at game logs. Heck of a talent. Uh, As far as any timing chemistry, I can't tell you that at this point. I'm going to have to dive into it much deeper. Obviously, I wasn't expecting to even be mentioning this guy's name because uh, I, you know, this injury literally happened, you know, an hour and a half ago, right? Hour ago, and we're we're just getting news of it. Uh, but I like Greg Dortch. He's an elite talent, and he might be a necessity for them if I'm trying to pay up for Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. And you already know I'm playing Christian McCaffrey. I'm going to need some value somewhere. Why not take? an elite young talent in a game where we think the team is most definitely going to be trying to throw the football. Absolutely. All right. Well, that, that covers the chiefs game and that, and therefore that covers the slate. Um, we just have one thing to do. We want to, we want to go through Mike and myself's favorite stack chalk play value contrarian and fade. So Mike, let's get started with you with your favorite stack. My favorite stack, uh, we just mentioned it. It's going to be Patrick Mahomes. I know a lot of you are like, well, of course it's his favorite stack, but it really is. I love the spot for them. Uh, I think it's a relatively friendly spot for Kansas City to start the year in what is a really tough schedule for them. Uh, but part of the overall stack is not just the quarterback. It's the pieces that go with it and the combination of salary, the combination of their overall upside. It's going Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and then I'm going to throw Juju Smith-Schuster in there. Uh, I do like Juju. I thought that I might be on one of the other guys initially. I'm going to go ahead and play Juju the most here in this spot. Um, Once again, I I do think that some of these teams will take opportunities to feature certain guys. I think Juju might get force-fed a few additional targets. Out of all the guys on the team, they want great locker room chemistry. I do believe that he and his antics on the field, off the field, might actually earn a few additional targets in this game just because of that to start things on the right foot. Call me crazy if you want, but I think that that's a very real thing uh, with this kind of team. So I like Juju and Kelsey. This is my favorite stack. All right, and you have Travis Kelsey as your chalk play. Your value play, let's let's, uh, mention who that is. We talked about him earlier in the show. Indianapolis Colts wide receiver Paris Campbell. Uh, Look, I, I like a lot of what I saw in college. I liked a lot of what I saw at times last season. I'm looking at this as we got a pretty significant upgrade uh, at quarterback, in my opinion. I think this team could potentially throw a little more. I think it could come from two different reasons. I think that they could be blowing them out and they want to feature the offense a little more, get Ryan some more looks, more reps, real live game reps. I also think that this game could be strikingly competitive. We've seen the market move this thing down from nine all the way to seven, not seven and a half. If you're in the sports betting community at all, you should know that there is a strong difference between a line of seven and a half and seven. Uh, that it's a very strong statement that this thing is down to seven and probably not going to hit six and a half just because of the liability that they would take. But It's sending a pretty clear signal. Underdogs in division week one have performed incredibly well. Uh, I think there's a few targets headed in the direction of Paris Campbell. And finally, give us your contrarian and your fade, Mike. 
you know, my contrarian play, I listed it as Aaron Jones because I don't think a ton of people are ultimately going to land there. I could be very wrong about it. I think that they're going to go more to Najee Harris. I think that they're going to avoid the Green Bay situation a little bit. If I'm wrong on this, I will make it up to you next week. If he somehow ends up being 20% owned and I'm calling it a contrarian play, I am sorry for that. Week one ownership is a little questionable, uh, especially this still a little early out. Uh, but I love Aaron Jones, heavily involved in the passing game and the running game. With Devontae Adams gone, uh, I, I think he should be a $7,500 player. All right. Well, we are – oh, and the fade, of course. Did you touch on that? Uh, I'll hit the fade quickly. It is going to be Joe Mixon. Uh, look, he's got upside. Uh, he's burned me in the past by fading him. Uh, but at 7,100, there are too many other running backs, including Aaron Jones we just talked about, Najee Harris, Austin Eckler, even Dalvin Cook at $800 more. Uh, I just think that people love playing Joe Mixon. They love playing these Bengals players. I- I'm going to sit this one out on the Bengals side with Joe Mixon. All right. Well, I'll go through mine real quick. This favorite stack is Justin Herbert to Mike Williams. I love that game in general. I think you can stack Derek Carr as well with Adams, Waller, or maybe Renfro. Uh, I think the running game is, is in play there, but I like Justin Herbert to Mike Williams, who I think is going to get behind the defense. Favorite chalk play, Jonathan Taylor. Favorite value, Mike Davis. It looks like he is going to be suiting up as the lead dog for the Ravens, so we'll monitor that. But at 4,400, I like that value. Contrarian play, I'm going to go Elijah Mitchell. I don't think anybody's going to play him. And I think if you correlate him with the San Francisco defense, it may pay huge dividends even in this super low total lowest one on the slate my fade is derrick henry i just don't want pieces of that game in general so i'm going to go ahead and fade uh both derrick henry and probably saquon barkley this week as well mike that is our show that is our coverage of the entire main slate it's our deep dive we're going to do this every thursday we're going to do it live as well and on tuesday that's when we're going to see you next on fantasy football today dfs we are going to be recapping our lineups from this week one of football. I can't even believe I'm saying it. And of course, we're going to be taking a first look at DraftKings pricing leading into week two of the NFL season. Thank you very much for joining us. My name is Sia. That's Mike. We'll see you every week on Fantasy Football Today, DFS. Greetings, Fantasy Warriors. I'm Heath Cummings, your guide to fantasy dominance on FFT Dynasty. Join me this offseason where mock drafts become epic showdowns and every pick shapes your legacy. If, if I was Adam, with the team that he's built, Will Levis makes so much more sense. And that's not all. We're peeling back the curtain on the future with our exclusive 2024 NFL Draft Prospect Profiles. Uncover hidden gems that'll elevate your roster to legendary status. Puka Nakua. After Cooper Cup, we really have no idea who's going to get the targets. Keaton Mitchell of East Carolina. Explosive speed is ridiculous. This isn't just a podcast. It's a playbook for champions. Subscribe to FFT Dynasty now, and together, we'll conquer the fantasy football frontier. Your dynasty journey starts here.